What's up guys, David here, and welcome to the FitPro Daily. So today we have got a massive interview for you, okay? It's an interview from one of my longest FitPro friends where he literally talks step by step how he went from running an outdoor boot camp to now working with over 1,500 clients in two or three gyms and in Sheffield. And as you can see behind me, we're actually just finishing up a few things at the gym. So if you're watching this live, like as we publish it, we're still in the middle of lockdown. So while we're in the middle of lockdown, we're just doing a few things. So we kind of painted this wall black. We're adding kind of like a wood feature wall there. So we're just kind of updating a few things when we're allowed to reopen again, our clients are allowed to come in. They kind of see a bit of a difference. They kind of see that the place has been updated. So they know the money they've been paying to keep us going has been used to good stuff. Anyway, enough of me talking, okay? This is a massive interview and I know you're going to love it because it's more than just what do we have on our program or how much should I charge, okay? Shane properly goes into business tactics, business knowledge, things that you probably don't even consider thinking about right now. It's things that you need to be working on to make sure not only you survive, you thrive with your fitness business. Anyway, like I said, enough of me talking, let's dive straight into the interview. Okay, good morning guys and welcome to um, this very special kind of episode we're doing today. So if you don't know who Shane Beard is, I've known Shane Beard for God, five or six years now. Too long. Yeah. We both did a uh, very, how would you call it, interesting marketing program that cost an absolute fortune and delivered different things. But one of the things I definitely got from it was a number of friends in FitPro land. So we've got Shane Beard, most of you know I'm good friends with Shane Nugent and there's a load of other people here. So we've kind of all gone off to do our own things and Shane started off with a tiny small gym. I think he'll go into yeah. more detail. And now he owns the big, big corporate gyms or the big, big box gyms in and around Sheffield. So what we'll do is we'll let Shane kind of introduce himself, kind of go over from where he started just give us a good idea of who he is and why we should listen to what he has to say. Because honestly, guys, Shane knows his stuff. Anything that comes to chasing leads, to making sure people stay for as long as possible, Shane knows this stuff. I'm not sure where he gets all this knowledge from, but that's something I always, I just listen to Shane talk all the time. So Shane, over to you, mate. Tell us, tell us more about you. Morning, mate. Um, I think you've, uh, you've, 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 you've created a pedestal there that I'm going to fall off <laughs> very quickly. <laughs> um, so I, oh God, I've been in the industry since I was 16. Um, started off working in a, a small sort of personal training studio and um, kind of worked my way up to having my own facility when I was uh, 23, I think it was. Well, I actually started off with boot camps. You know, I started off with a boot camp. And what I realized is it, it quickly got saturated. So we got kind of pushed towards having his own facility, which would be fit. Um, that's gone from strength to strength over the last sort of eight years. Um, uh, small group personal training to the point where we started dipping into the, the bigger gym space. Um, two years ago, we acquired Firehouse Fitness. Uh, we had one site in Leeds at that time and uh, one site in Sheffield, which was a smaller site like BeFit. And the uh, 
the, the change that that brought with it was was oh God, you know, once you're going from managing five staff to fifty staff, it's a completely different kettle of fish. So we grew quite quickly and quite rapidly, but there's been some really harsh learning curves with that as well. Um, I actually shut leads down after 12 months of acquiring it. It was just just ridiculous. It was an old virgin site, 14,000 square foot. You know, just the overheads, the capacity. It, it was just, uh, even pure, well, virgin could make it work. So that gives you an idea of what, what the sort of sort of finances uh, we were having to pump into it. And we just got to a point where we we're like, right, do you know what? We're just going to concentrate on Sheffield. So we've just opened uh, a 12,000 square foot site, uh, which is the old firehouse one that which we've moved. And I'm currently just going through legals for BFIT, which is an 8,500 square foot site. We'll be moving into a 12,000 square foot site um, on a retail park, sharing the space with Costa Coffee and Alde. Uh, that'll be the middle of next year. Obviously, things have slowed up a little bit with COVID. Um, so... I'm very lucky that we've got a very good team. You know, um, Ops Director Caroline literally couldn't do anything like uh, without her. Um, Rob, the old director from Firehouse, Dan, my business partner in BFIT, you know, we literally would not be where we are now. We are them. Um, I can't stress to you how important that is, having a really good team. And that's we aren't counting anyone like Vicky, who's a sales manager and, and, and everyone else that sits underneath him. So it's been, it's been a tough, hard eight years. I'm, I'm really, really lucky because um, we're kind of at that point now where we're in the up curve and being completely transparent, this COVID stuff's actually benefited us more than it has impacted us. Um, it's put us in a better position. Uh, we've, we've been allowed to breathe and stand still and, and see what happens. Um, and uh, uh, all this stems from, from my original investor, Neil. Um, quite lucky to have him. He's like my mentor. He's been in my life since I was 16 as an old client. Um, and I'm, I'm very lucky to have people like him to fall back on. And, uh, as, and as chairman, Tom. So we've, there's a bigger business. So it's not, it's not just me. I can't take credit for everything. You know, we've, we've got lots of different facets. Um, I just make sure plates are spinning. You know, everyone else is responsible for their own, own bit. So, yeah, it's, it's been interesting. So I, I, I could literally, well, I'd like to think I could give people input from, from day one. So if they're just starting out being personal trainers and what problems they're going to hit and, and issues that I can see that are, are currently sort of perspiring in the industry. To, if you're uh, looking for someone to get your own site, to scale it, you know, we're currently at about probably about 1,500 members um, across the sites that were growing rapidly, uh, as David knows, because David runs his ads for us. Um, the conversion rates that we get and the speed that we grow is just, just not, not normal for... Um, for fitness anyway, uh, but we've got some really like strict systems and we keep everyone accountable. Um, other than that, again, it's team, it's team and culture. So um, obviously if anyone's got any questions about anything like that, obviously speak to me um, or pop, pop uh, questions up David and just let me know. So yeah, the people watching the portal now at the end, will let you ask all your questions okay so i'll let you come on live or you just post the comments in the comments below i can see nick wardle you remember nick wardle yeah he's saying I do remember nick yeah he's in um nick's in where is he what uh loughborough loughborough that's it yeah yeah just opened his body transformation center weren't it i think it were yeah, yeah. hi nick hope you're all right mate <laughs> there's quite a few people watching as well so as you've been talking i've also written down a load of different things. Not really sure where to start because you kind of went from one thing to other. So I think I'll just go through them as I was writing these down. 
So staff like me, I've got uh, one, two, three, four, about seven staff. Most people watching this might have two or three staff. Is there much of a difference between having two or three staff to eight staff to having, I don't even know how many staff you have. You've got like 20 odd or something, have you? We're at 32, so it's 32 at the minute. Um, we did we did have 50, obviously, before we, we uh, removed leads from the, uh, the scenario. Um, you've got two, there's two versions here. So obviously there's a legal standpoint. So up to, I think it's five staff, you know, how, how you work changes. So I'm not going to dip into HR because it just bore people. But you need to take some legal advice once you start getting past five employed staff because um, things change a little bit. If you've got them subcontracted, um, it's a bit of a different kettle of fish. So if they're just renting space off your own, you're paying them per hour. and there's, You're not doing their accounts, essentially, essentially paying national insurance, PAYE. Um, the, the, the biggest thing that... Th th right, this, this is where what a lot of people find it really difficult to understand. So when you first start your business up, you, you operate on your own, or maybe we want an extra member of staff, and you're generally managing those relationships. So as individuals, we can manage about 50 relationships at any one time. So that might be 10 really close friends and family. Um, and then that might, might consist of 40 clients. Once you bring in a 51st relationship, you lose one. And this is when you end up with one in one art syndrome in your business. And a lot of you have probably got to that point. You're like, why is it not growing? And you think it's a, it's a business issue and, it, and it's not, it's a, it's a you issue. You as an individual are trying to manage everything as individuals. Now that's fine, but there's going to hit a point where it's just going to keep repeating itself and you're going to get frustrated and you're going to get burnt out. So you've got to get to a point where you empower one of your staff members to be responsible for those individuals. Now you're probably going to take a hit. They're not going to do a job as good as you. They're not going to manage people like you'd manage people. They're not going to care about people like they manage you, you, you care about people. And that's why you own the business and they don't. And, and that's, you've got to understand that and you've got to give them space. They have their own family. They have their own stuff that they're interested in, their own hobbies. It is a job. It, it, you can have people that are passionate, but it's still a job to them. So what you've got to do is you've got to put a culture in place, an accountancy system where it can manage itself. Because if you're relying on that business scaling through the relationships that you can manipulate, oh, stay for a little bit longer, sorry, we did a bad job, or so-and-so's new, um, he didn't mean to do this, you know, give, give him a second try. That's not scalable. It's impossible to scale a business based on relationships. So if you're going to bring more staff in, you need to have the cash flow in place to accept that you're going to take a dip, and you need to have the accountability system in place to make sure you can pinpoint where the problem is. So whether that's coming through your sales process or the orientation, which I'll touch base on a bit, which a lot of people forget about, or the fulfillment, which is obviously where people are using your product. Everything else looks after itself after that, pretty much, because they feed into each other. So if you are taking staff on, the biggest problem you're going to have is you. I guarantee you. There's a really good book called Tribal Leadership. If you've got the spatial awareness and self-awareness to be able to take that on, read it. Because that is the, the definitive book that took us from um, going from 
like one site to be able to manage all these extra staff and all these extra members. And it, 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 I guarantee you, if you're not growing, you're a public problem, especially if you're like a one-man band or you've only got two, two staff or a sort of self-employed trainer. You might not want to grow, by the way, as well. Some people are, uh, some people are happy to, to stay where they are. There's no margin on success. You know, it, it, looking, looking back on what I know now, you know, you know, sitting on, um, like one or two members of staff and, and you're thinking you're stressed and you're really not until you, you, you're covering bigger overheads and stuff like that. But it just depends what you want as an individual. But definitely the, the issues you're going to have with staff are going to be you because they're never going to live up to you. So you've got to make sure you're putting processes in place where they're developing and you've got to accept that people might leave. I'd sooner have 10 of the best staff in the industry that are going to leave me at year two and I have that built into our business model and they go off and do greater things and they never burn us bridges. And then at some point we might have one of them back as a manager or, or an exec, then I've five average people that I'm having to mop up after all the time. Cause that's just going to burn me out. So they're the cultural issues. I see people having problems with, with staff, um, HR stuff, as I say, you need to take some legal advice if you, if you're growing. Um, because there's a multitude of different factors that you come in. I'm really lucky at Kaz as our director, as a solicitor as well. So we get all that sort of stuff done for us. Um, but again, if you've got any questions, I'm happy to ask it. If no one's not sure, you know, point blank. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's where I'm at with staff, David. That's what I think. That's the problem people are going to see. Okay. Um, I have to get that book myself. Tribal leadership, do you say it was called? It's got a picture of like five piles of paper clips on the front cover. Okay. Um, one of the best books I've read. Don't ask me who wrote it because I'm shocking with names. Dyslexia <laughs> just stops me from remembering stuff. So you mentioned during that um, 50 relationships and so on. So how how do you deal with, like, you've got like 10 times the number of clients we have at DK9 Fitness. You you probably have the same compared to most people that are watching this. How do you deal with such a massive client base and keep them all happy? So first thing you've got to look at with is part of the business model as a, as a, a more commercial facilitator is the usage rates lower. So if we're charging on average £35 a month for um, gym and classes of a thousand members, once they've gone through the customer life cycle, so it might be 12 weeks before they become a sleeper. Sorry, I've got hiccups. Uh, I trust everyone knows what sleepers are. That's when people don't use your products, but are paying you still on direct debit. Um, we will probably see on average 200 people per week. So 20% of the thousand. So we're actually not managing a thousand relationships. The business model means we're only managing 200 relationships. So that's really important to start. You know, you've got to work backwards. Does my business model fit the amount of staff that I've got to be able to grow? So rather than working from front end, work backwards. Um, we generally then employ one member of staff per 50 clients you know, based on that. So obviously we've got way more because obviously we're looking at growing. So we've took, we've, we've took a team on now ready for when we move into the new BFIT site in 12 months because we know how important it is to make sure they buy into the culture and have the proper training to be able to execute it smoothly. Um, so what, what, what we do is if we're doing small group personal training, so we see about 70, 80 people per week for that, They'll have designated trainers. Each of those trainers will be responsible for around 20 to 30 people that they'll check in with. There's a set system. It's not just so-and-so called so-and-so. We have checklists 
weekly tabs that everyone has to follow. Um, everyone gets a call. You know, we, we, we manage the process to them either leaving or becoming sleepers. We take control right up to that point. We don't leave anything by chance. So we've got, we've got like every number monitored up to that point. Um, every interaction, how many times they attend the gym, you know, what they do in the facilities, uh, any notes, you know, is, is, is put against them. So it doesn't matter who you are, like as a trainer, think about what I was saying to you earlier, having to manage individual relationships. If Brad from Firehouse Sheffield picks up something on a Monday, all hours are employed. So on a Tuesday, he might be off shift. Stacey can pick it up and there's some continuity for a client and they're not feeling like they have to have an individual relationship with each member. So it means Brad's not getting text messages at 10 o'clock at night that he's having to pick up and feels morally responsible to do that because he's, 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 he's wanting to keep that client. That's manipulation. You know, what actually happens is it goes through our email channel or Facebook page and whoever's on shift picks it up. And because we've got that behaviour in the members, you know, it's took a long time. You know, the, the members are, are, are trust us and, and, and understand the process now that they can, they can speak to anyone that's in the team because they're all well-trained and they all know how to deal with stuff. So that will always take time. That will always take time to build up. You know, it's, it's, it's a glorified FAQ for your own business, if you think about it. Um, the other bit is empowering the staff. So uh, has anyone ever heard of N, have you ever heard of end zone syndrome? So end zone syndrome can either go from a client to like management position. So you'll have seen it all along. You know, you, you, you go into a restaurant, can I speak to a manager? Instead of letting the, um, letting the, the waiter deal with the issue. They want to miss, some, miss you out straight away. Now, that's really common in a business. So we could have a, a, a fitness member of staff that misses out the fitness manager and goes straight to the gym manager when there's an issue that the fitness manager should be dealing with. Yep. So what you've got to do there is the manager at the top to prevent this is to say, are you going to speak to the fitness manager about this or am I going to have to speak to the fitness manager about this? And it's about gluing relationships together. So keeping people in triangles rather than having one-to-one -one relationships. And this, this book will explain that to you. It's so important. So we have zero meetings at the gym unless two people are present. So we'll have one individual plus two. It's always three in a meeting, never two. Why that works is it keeps accountability. So if there's a reference point that needs talking about, we know what so-and-so has said. And it also stops people from being left out of the loop in the background. Um, and that's same with clients. If we see clients, we generally see clients in twos. Obviously, if it's personal training one-to-one, -one, fair enough, it's slightly different. But you're talking about health issues there and, and, and data protection, not, not culture of the business. So it, it, it really, David, it's, it's having systems in place all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That people are diligently filling out, no matter what, that are checked every week. And they're making sure that the, the culture of the business, from the client up to the directorship, glues people together. This, mate, is what 100% is missing from probably every single person that's watching this now or listening to this in the future, is actually having those tick lists. So, like, we tomorrow launching with the staff, they are getting set clients to chase every single week. When they chase them and they get their message, there's going to be a certain topic that the staff meeting will have to be put into these messages. So clients 
like you say, you're being chased at the right time about the right things to making sure they're all being dealt with in the right way. It's, it's just so important. You, 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 you have an opportunity to take control of the process. So if you sit on that and then go, oh God, we've lost another member this month. Well, what did you do to keep him? Mm. What do you mean? Well, when last time did you last time you speak to him? Oh, well, well, they come to class on Tuesday, but they, they didn't turn up Friday. Well, did anyone call them to make sure they were all right? You see what I mean? It's, it's, you've got to control every, every aspect of it. You know? So if you do that, you can predict a customer life cycle. You bolt on your sort of marketing in the front end and you bolt in your retention in the middle and the, the referral rate on the back end. You know, you've, you've got a business there. You can go, actually, yeah, this is going to work. What you also realise is, which is what quickly caught up on us, is how we were managing stuff before is not scalable. And you can see it in the number format. You, know, you can say, actually, by September next year, if we keep losing people at this rate and signing people up at this rate, the type of marketing that we're doing just don't pay for itself by month nine, for yeah. example. You You've got one in one art syndrome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that, that one in art... What I'm saying is the one-in-one art syndrome is applicable to every facet in your business. It's applicable to your, 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 your staff. It's applicable to the different aspects of your business. So if you do not glue your marketing to your sales, to your fulfillment in that triangle, there's going to be, there's going to be fallout. It's going to hit a point where they're not going to complement each other. So it's, it's so important to monitor at each stage. Now, if you're an individual that's... Um, what we call an artist. So you're better on shop floor, front end, speaking to people, not really a numbers person. You need to hire someone to do your numbers in the background. Simple. That needs to be your first hire. Not another trainer. You know, just because you're chasing cash and it, you, you're getting that rush, that, oh, we're growing quick. Everyone wants to come and see us. Blah, blah, this, blah, blah, that. You're just going to end up with a product that just falls out, like falls to pieces. Absolutely falls to pieces. Like, first-hand experience that with boot camp. You know, 2012, just left my uh, my old job. Um, we're having a great time there. Um, I'd got, on average, 110 people paying me £100 a month, age 24. You know, on top of that, we're averaging 25, 30 personal training hours a week. I think I'd come out with 108 grand after tax, year one. Most I'd earned close to that with 20 grand, you know, and that we're doing 60 hours a week at that age. You know, I thought, God, I've nailed it. I'd not, because what happened is people started to undercut me. I was taking new people on and I couldn't keep the relationships maintained. I didn't have enough time to train the staff up because the business grew too quick because I went monitoring the numbers. I didn't have a clue we were happy or we weren't happy. I didn't know the full orientation process. You know, it, it, there's so many facets and it just fell to pieces. It literally fell to pieces. Within 18 months, I would answer probably 50 people paying us 75 quid because I wanted to put deals in place to keep them retained because they could have gone that road to X, Y, and Z. So you've got to have, you've got to have these things in place. You really have. Sticking with the boot camp, then it's kind of perfect time for the next question. How did you know when the best times to move was? You went from the boot camp to then going with BeFit, where it was kind of almost like boot camp with a gym. So then suddenly owning two or three different gyms. How did you know that each step, when was the right time to move from one to the other to the other? I think that's really individual based. 
And the reason why I said that is if you're happy working with people one-to-one and that's your passion, you know, being having your own boot camp and having 50 people on that and being happy getting paid, I don't know, 50, 75 quid a month. I don't know what going rate is demographically. It depends where you are in country. You know, that's fine. You know, that will still work now because that business is not built on fitness. That business is built on you manipulating relationships. And when I say manipulation, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, you, you, you're managing that relationship where someone looks like they're on outside of, uh, of the uh, circle, you give them a bit more attention and manipulate them back into that circle to keep them in the business. Mm. And that's what you'll find with personal training, small group, boot camp sort of scenarios. There's a certain level where you can't grow past. And I don't think that's wrong. I think if you're happy with that income and that, that satisfies your need and, 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 and it's what you want, like, great, that's off to you. I think if you get to a point where, so boot camp's seasonal, if you're outdoors. So at some point you're going to have to take a space on. So if you're trying to grow your business and scale at the same time, there's probably going to be a point where you want to want to push that business. And that's what I got to. I'll be honest with you. I've always wanted 10, 12 gyms. You know, that's, that's been my thing. You know, I've, I've wanted to go against the big boys and, and compete in that. I'm really competitive, like ridiculously competitive. So that's my individual approach. That's why I'm on where I am, where I'm at. I think everyone else just needs to take the time and make sure they've got the numbers, David. Get the numbers down. Don't go for a site because your boot camp's bursting, it seems. That's what a lot of people do. I, I'm so successful. I've got 100 people paying us, but you're churning out 20 a month and you're having to re-sign up 20 a month. Your customer life cycles, six months tops. You know, I'd be looking at, how can I get that to 12 months? then I'll look at a facility. You know, at that point then, when I move into that facility, what are the overheads going to be? How's that going to impact my, uh, my top line? Because it looks great on paper. Look how successful we are. We've got our own facility. We didn't make any money. We, like, we've made next to no money on, on, on sort of um, when we took beef it on. You know, so that, that 10 grand a month that I was doing on boot camp was wiped out the minute we took beef it on. Like literally wiped out overnight. So I went from next to no overheads to having no money in bank. And then we had to scale again. And that's where learning curve came from. Yeah, yeah. So you have to jump. You do have to jump. You have to take a risk. That's part of parcel. So it depends how risk averse you are. But again, it comes back to just knowing your numbers. So many people ignore it. Know your numbers. What's your lead to sale? How much are you spending on your marketing? So what's your cost of acquisition? What's your orientation process? Uh, and so orientation is people decide in that period of you taking their money and then starting to use your products, how long they're going to stay with you. They don't decide after they start using the product. They're deciding that gap. So if they're paying you 100, 100 pound a month for a small group, how you treated them once you've made the sale and once they actually get into using the product, it dictates how long they stay with you. Not the actual experience after. And that's where a lot of people go wrong. So if you're, you've sold someone into, um, let's say you've got a CrossFit gym and you don't do an on the ramp, and all you've got in there is 50 squat racks and no one knows how to squat, that orientation process is going to be terrible. You need to make sure people are capable of using your products because if you don't, 
you're just going to spit them out in front end. They're not even going to get to back end. Yeah, yeah, understand. So, so that, that, that is the key. It's actually nothing after that. Once you get to people to a point where they're confident using a product and they can use the products independently, that's when they're more likely to become a sleeper. Not when you've not educated them how to use your products. So it's, it's, it's taking control of that full process. So you've got like four weeks of orientation, you know, making sure, well, let's just look at habits. Habits take 90 days. So generally it becomes, uh, people get into a routine of the habit after, after 45 days. So, you know, that first four to six weeks is making sure people are using your apps properly if they're booking, getting onto the Facebook group, showing up to the workouts, making sure that they're, 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 they're um, congruent with all the exercise techniques that they need. Then, then you can start looking to push them towards a sleeper or being an active member. Both are fine. There's no wrong. Mate, that was a strange text message at the same time. That's Vicky telling me she wants to start the ads up for BeFit tomorrow. <laughs> I've had a meeting this morning, to be fair, yeah. So, yeah, I've said ramp it up. Um, okay, so move with that facility then, everyone has that, they've got their numbers in place. They know it's the right decision to move or find a facility. How would you go about actually finding a facility? So it's, that's all applicable to the type of business model that you want. So we've had a gym in the city centre um, in Leeds um, that was high transient traffic. So that's people driving in and out of Leeds for their jobs or being students and stuff like that. And it was high student, very low residential. So knowing what I know now, we would always build a facility or buy or rent a facility near residential. The reason why that is, is the customer life cycles longer because people don't move house as much as they move jobs. So I would be looking towards within two to three miles of uh, any sort of residential or big dense residential sort of area. The other thing I'd look at is, is the type of business that you want. So this is another thing. So if you take it on a, let's just say a business park, which is a lot of people do at the minute, they take a unit on 2000 square foot you will move your manipulated business in there straight away. You know, the boot camp that you had and people will love it and it'll be amazing. But that's a destination business. You are going to have to have some marketing in place or acquisition marketing to make sure that you're getting people through the door. Because once those clients that you've manipulated go through their customer lifecycle, you need to replace them. And you're not going to be able to do it while you're ruining the building on top of that. So you're going to need a team to look after that. So that might be an admin person that does sales. It might be a salesperson. It, you might outsource it. I know a lot of people are outsourcing stuff now, aren't they? Um, I don't know many because all ours is in-house, but I know some people have a online marketing people. There's some people that do the sales for you, David. I don't know if you know any, but it's, they take a cut, don't they? Yeah. Um, I prefer to keep it in-house because we've got control then. You know, the accountability is with us. We can't blame anyone. That's just my preference. I don't think that's right or wrong. Um, uh, so that's that's the destination bit. Now, you're obviously going to have to allocate a lot of money to marketing or, or sales and acquisition. If you take something a little bit closer to a city centre or higher footfall, the rent's going to be a hell of a lot higher, but you'll be spending less on marketing, provided you put the processes in place to convert people. So, beef, it's very close to residential. So we've had to spend a lot of money on acquisition marketing 
when we move on to the retail park, the rent triples, but the capacity increases and the cost of marketing shrinks because we're probably going to be seeing, well, 25,000 cars pass a day. Um, I can't even imagine the numbers of people that go into Valde. I've got it written down somewhere. Cost of coffee drive through and everything else that's on that retail park. It's it's a different approach, but the risk comes with us. So, I mean, the rent on that's 120 grand a year. So that gives you an idea. You know, the rent on beef, it's 30 grand a year. So it's it's that's including that the second one beef it's not so it's it's the, 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 you're looking at three times the amount so but it's it's scalable because we, we understand the process of getting people through the door so what I would spend on marketing at Beefit I will spend on a uh, an outbound sales team on the new site so we'll have five people in everyone in car park speaking to people on local businesses pulling people in getting names you know we work on a a 20% lead to sale. So every 10 leads we get, we expect to sign two up. So we work backwards. So if we need 2,000 members to make that place work, we need 10,000 leads. So there'll be online stuff still happening. David will still run a pre-sale for, for us, but there'll also be boots on the ground. So it's about steering towards what's important. Firehouse Sheffield, the, the new 12,000 square foot sites on a business park, so it's surrounded by residential, but there's not much footfall. So I, I don't know what his marketing spend is, David, but I reckon we've spent, what, probably three or four grand on that pre-sale. I don't know. We're spending is it about 70 or 80 pounds a day on some, yeah, some, so, some of the you know, the massive. Yeah, yeah so it, it, we've had to spend a hell of a lot more on pre-sale and just have the sales team in the gym ready to call, drag people in, um, and make sure they hit the sort of 72-hour window to get people in bums on seats um so yeah, what i'm trying to say to you is there's no right way you just need to you've got to get the information depending yeah, on what yeah. you want the thing you keep going back to and there's something that everyone needs to massively take on board is you need the admin staff member no matter what your greatest at you need somebody who's going to be there to chase leads and manage clients. Yeah. And you've said that a million times already in this conversation so far, you have to go and do it. You might see it as an expense or you're going to see your profits go down, but honestly, the long-term benefits of it, not just financially for your headspace is going to be massive. You're going to have so much spare time in your head to focus on more important tasks and having to chase leads and clients and stuff. You, you, you need to be free. Like through all this, I have had the least amount of work to do because your your job as the CEO, managing director, however you want to call it, is to problem solve. So this is why I'm so lucky to have Caroline. Caroline, the ops director, is a real sort of manager. So she keeps stuff uh, consistent. She's interacting with the staff all day. Everything's uh, accountable. We know his numbers. She's, she's prodding people. Everything's systemized and filed neatly. You need that. You need that as a person in, in your business. Job. Say again, mate. I offer a job, pay her more than you. Well, <laughs> don't, don't take her. 
sounds like it. Well, let's, um, let's keep with that aspect then. How, how did you feel about letting go of so much control of certain things? Obviously, when you started, you were the trainer, you were the admin, you were the lead generator, you were, you were everything. How do you feel? How was it relinquishing control of certain aspects to other people who are not as good or can do things to your level? It's, it is fundamentally horrible. And, you know, when you, you uh, generally most people start their own business because they've got control issues. You know, you, 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 want, you want to be responsible for yourself and you want to control your own destiny, blah, 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 blah. That, that's the reality. You know, most business owners have control issues. And when you get to a point where you realize that you're the problem and that no one's ever going to do it to your level, you're setting them up to fail by judging them by your standards. And, and that's the issue. You know, you should not be taking a staff member on if you've not got your be their best interest in development. If you're taking them on purely to grow your business, which I, I think you think, well, that makes sense. That's why I'm paying them. That, that's where you're going wrong because you're, you're, there's manipulation in that relationship again. You know, every single one of the team are people. They are human beings. They, they have their own problems, their own issues. And if you're not considerate with that, it's what we call a relationship leadership model. It's rare, by the way. It doesn't exist in many corporations. If you maintain the relationship first, how are you? You're all right. Mate, How's your family? That is exactly what I was going to say. Those staff meetings and out of staff meeting meetings, or they're not even called meetings, they're just, you want to go for a coffee. They make the biggest difference in making sure your staff love what they do with you. Exactly. So... I've got myself and Kaz, and then we've got we've got Rob, Vicky, Brad, Dan, Stacy. The kind of managing management facet. My time now spent investing in them, so I don't really have much contact with people that are on the shop floor, but I have so much contact with them. And then the model is that they're going to have so much contact with all the staff underneath them. So it's it's trusting. It's, it's having this the numbers process at the bottom end where you can monitor the numbers. So any change in those numbers can be addressed with the management team. But having the relationship with the management team where there's no social hierarchy, that's the biggest thing for me. You know, anyone that you speak to in our business, if they, if, if they ask me my job title, I, excuse me, I'm not gonna swear, I hate having to say I'm managing director or CEO. I can't stand it. You know, I want people to walk into our place and not know who's who. Mm. If there's a tough decision to be made, fair enough. It drops the person that's responsible for it. But I just don't think you should have hierarchy in the business. I don't care if you're a cleaner. I don't care if you're sales director. You're important. Cleaner don't do the job properly. That sales team are going to have a nightmare doing a tour. So they're just as important. So they've got to feel included. And, and it's putting relationships first. No matter what, put relationships first. You can't do every relationship. So just make sure that you're modeling to the people that are going to be responsible for your staff what the right way is to model and speak to people. Okay, let's move on quickly then because we're getting close to that hour mark now. Let's talk about the current situation, what is going on in the world right now. What, how is BeFit and Firehouse dealing with the lockdown at the minute in regards to how are you keeping clients? What are you offering them? How are you making sure that you don't suddenly lose this mass number of clients and almost have to start again? 
So first thing we did is we emailed everyone that was active uh, just to say, look, you know, this is what's happening. Uh, government shut us down. You know, we're a small business. We'd really appreciate if you can keep paying us. If you do keep paying us, however long we're shut for, we'll bolt onto the back of your membership as, as, when you cancel. Like, so if we shut for three months, we'll add them three months uh, gym membership on back end. Now, that sounds like a lot to give away. But remember, we're working average customer life cycles. So that does not impact my customer life cycle whatsoever. So having an extra 20, 30, 40, 50, even 100 people using the facilities for free over a different time scale, they're not all going to use it. It's, not, not 100 people aren't going to cancel all at the same time and use it for free for four months. Mm. It's going to be scattered, if you know what I mean. So that's the first thing that we did. Um, Anyone that um, wanted to freeze with us, and we just said to them, look, the minute doors open, this will reactivate. So straight away, we reinstated probably 200 direct debits, getting paid instantly, so we've not lost that. And then the product, um, where we're really, really lucky is, we've obviously got 12 members of staff that are um, volunteering. That's another thing we've got around. You know, it's classed as volunteer work. The government shut the door for us. We're not operating as a gym facility anymore. So the online stuff is, I think people are getting confused where they're reluctant to go online because they feel like they're selling a new product. This is a new product. You know, we're a gym and why are we online? And what what you've got to realize is, is you're not selling a new product, you're accommodating. You're accommodating people until we can get back open. So we've added in, like a full class timetable for, for Zoom and, and, and Facebook Live workouts. We've got yoga in there. We have weekly newsletters. We have a Q&A. We have a quiz night every Friday that one of the trainer takes. We have regular 50, 60 people on there. Um, we've got, uh, I don't know if people are f- familiar with the unit section on, on Facebook in the groups. So we've got modules built in. So every workout that we've done live gets put into there. Uh, if you're a beginner, we've took control of that orientation process. So these check-ins. So we're actually starting to sell the product now uh, as a product. Um, so we've got that process in place. Um, the small group P, the small group PT people that we've got. So we've still got 50 people paying us more than 100 pound a month to be a Zoom PT. We've not dropped any prices. That's the first thing I need people to understand. Do not drop your prices just because you've gone online. It's mental. The people that have been directly impacted by COVID or been made poorly by COVID or lost a job by COVID, you can't do all about them. But there's an abundance of people that are still getting paid, that have so much spare income because they're not going out, they're not eating and drinking, they're not going to cinema. So there's actual, this period in time, people are more likely to take a top up PT off you because they've got spare income. What I'm seeing is everyone doing deals because they're scared about market share. And in actual fact, the market share is not shrank. We're just accommodating people. Mm. And that's where they're going wrong. It's a, you've got to accommodate. So anyone, any, any people on this or watching this or that watch it back, think that they need to do a deal, you're mental. Actual fact, you need to be upselling at this period in time. Do you want a second PT? You know, you've not gone out this month and spent 400 pounds on meals. Why don't you have a PT a week with me? You know what I mean? Why don't we keep you... Keep your mobile, you know, maintain what you've got rather than losing it, coming out of lockdown, being a stone heavier. There's, there's a 
God, I could go on all day, David, about different facets and, and stuff like that where That's people should be making money. About two weeks ago was launched the, do you want to top up? Do you want the extra PT session a week? 30 minute online Zoom session. We'll be sitting here coaching you through it. You let us know the equipment just to give them the extra stuff. And not only are they getting extra stuff, it's also we're just bumping up that income that we're taking in from each client. So the client value, monthly value is going back up again. Every time. And then, and, and the, the beauty of that is you're adding, you're, you're, you're putting in goodwill into the business straight away. You know, people are like, like oh God, remember when they, they, they really try their best for all this. Um, and then you've got a, a, a possible... Um, Refer, not referral. Um, that's what I'm looking for. You're building up a bank of leads that you can convert into gym members potentially. Mm. After that, anyway, you know what I mean. And it, this is not a change in consumer behaviour. This is what people need to understand. Yeah, people are buying more off Amazon because shops are shut. That 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 that. that I don't doubt that Amazon's profits are going to go through the roof at this minute in time, but. It's not been a long enough sustained period to justify that people are going to stop going to Wilkinson's to buy the Mockbook kits. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what people don't understand. You know, they are, we're going to go back to shops. People are going to go back to gyms. There's definitely a hybrid product there. And like, 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 I mean, I've spoke about this before, especially with you, David, and various other people. I think what he showed us is, is there is a hybrid product where people might do a, a home workout and come to the gym twice a week. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or a downsell. You know, I'm moving to Lincoln, so I'm going to join a pure gym at, at, at 15.99 and pay you 19.99 for all my workouts and a, and a couple of lives a week because I enjoy being part of the community. There's, there's definitely something there, but you're not going to change how the fitness industry runs over shutting, like everything shutting down for, for four or five months. It's crazy because... A lot of people I've been seeing are saying they're enjoying online so much. They might stick with staying online, but for us as gym owners, when we reopen, it might be January rush for the next year or so consistently because there's going to be so many people struggling to keep anything going that you should be there like a mop, literally ready to take all these businesses that are closed and take all their clients. You, 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 what, what you've ended up with at the minute is there's, there's multiple facets, right? So the reason why you've got such a rush of people trying to go online at this minute in time is because they've probably not been running their business properly. And what I mean by that is not paying the tax, so they can't claim on their self-employed scheme, so they're comfortable. Manipulation, manipulating the system again. Mm. Um, they've not had the systems in place to be able to monitor these things or they're reluctant to go online because they're too pig-headed because they're having to regress so in, the, so in the nicest way if like you were a facility owner you've now got to compete with the five personal trainers down the road that were just doing online training and it's like a pig-headedness to say well we're better than them why should I have to regress and that that's gonna let that's what's gonna that's what's mucking people up. Like you, you're playing hierarchy again. And you don't need to. You just need to accommodate what you've got. Don't scale. Hold. Yeah. Hold. Accommodate. 
Now we're at a point now where I think we've just, I, I need to get numbers off Vicky, but I think we've started selling the products and I think it's starting to convert at like 15, 20% David, isn't it? From what I can gather. I think, yeah, something like that. If not a little can, bit more. I need to check, I need to have a look. But the deal but, you're offering what, is just unreal, so it's, it's obviously going to convert pretty high yeah. anyway. But so that we can offer deals because we understand the process. I think what, what, what we've done is we've started to sell people into an online product that we can then convert into gym members after. So we're not moving away from those original um, core products where essentially just putting a lead gen pool in place where these people are accommodated beforehand and it's keeping our income topped up. Um, I think we were at 825, uh, we, we, we were open six weeks, I think it was in Sheffield site. I think we needed 900 people to break even. We were six weeks in front of numbers after being six weeks late opening. So we're essentially 12 weeks in front based on leads that you were pushing through and the conversion rates. We've still got 760 direct debits live of the 825 and we're 12 weeks into lockdown now. And it's growing. So what Vicky's doing at the minute is we're growing it at that side. So sort of selling the product. And then the team's coming in at the other side working on retention. So anyone that's canceled the direct debit, anyone that's in arrears, we are on that phone that day real time reinstating them and we're just we're just protecting what we've got um, if you've got the cash flow and you've run your business properly i'm not trying to undermine anyone but if you've been putting cash under the sofa and and um you know not monitoring your numbers properly you're going to find it really difficult at this minute in time you're probably getting to that point where you think oh, i'll go and take a job and you've got to understand that if you're going to build a sustainable business you can't beat the system You've got to adhere by it. You're going to have to start paying VAT at some point. That needs to be built into your business model from day one, not at the day you need to start paying VAT. You know, you, you, you are going to have to take staff on. There's going to be PAYE. There's going to be insurance. You're going to have to... We pay Mentor, uh, which is something really good by NatWest, by the way. It's about £150 a month. They do all our health and safety and HR checks for us. You allocated someone that looks after it for a year, an HR solicitor. You know, all these things that you've been like, I'll be all right. I'll put it in my back pocket. Instead of paying yourself a set salary, let's just take 24, 30 grand a year out and pocket, out and bank. Everything above that, I'll leave in case there's a rainy day, in case COVID happens or, you know what I mean? A gym opens up around corner and I'm having to direct response market because they're, they're undercutting me by 50%. These are really important things that, that you, you, you need to consider. And it's removing you from that scenario. I'm on 50, 60 grand a year. No, you're not. You're probably not. I charge 25, 30 pounds an hour. No, you don't. Be realistic about your numbers. You know what I mean? It's literally only been in the last 18 months that I've started to see a return. That's, that's I opened August 2012. It's eight years <laughs> to this point. The scary thing for us is... The numbers have been going a down a little bit with the clients we've got, but we're still putting away the same amount of tax, the same amount of VAT, the same amount of everything in our savings account every week as if we were still at the previous numbers. So obviously when we come to that end of year, we're going to have quite a bit of an extra bonus cash barrier that we can either upgrade things with or pay us ourselves back a little bit more because we're still we're kind of running it as like almost nothing has changed. We're still putting the exact same monies away in different savings accounts like it was when we were 
capacity when we opened before you? I think that, so I learned this the hard way. So what, what you'll find is as a business owner, if you don't know your numbers, you'll tend to work on a number in the bank. So what you'll find is like, let's just say you keep it at five grand. If it drops under five grand in your bank account, you either start working harder or you start shutting stuff down until it builds back up again. Yeah. So marketing stalls, you know what I mean? You, 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 you slow down here, you start taking staff hours back that you'll start taking until it builds back up to five grand and then it might go to eight grand and you feel comfortable. So you start letting people have hours again. You start turning the marketing back on. You've just lost eight weeks worth of uh, marketing data. Your staff members demoralize because his wage dips every six to eight weeks. All because you just not check the fact that your numbers aren't being monitored properly. And if you'd have just kept going like you were going, that five grand that dips, we're going to jump back up to eight grand anyway in four or five weeks' time. You know, that, that is applicable on so many levels of businesses. You know, there's, there's businesses that turn over a million pounds a year. As soon as they hit 100 grand in bank, everything shuts down. Staff start getting laid off. And it's just a repeat cycle because they just don't monitor the numbers. Don't think that, like, things change because there's more zeros on the end. It doesn't. It really doesn't. Fundamentally, culture's king. Numbers are king in a business. No matter what turnover is. No matter what profit margins are. Perfect. Cheers, Shane. Let's jump into the portal. Let's see what questions people have. People that watch are listening on the podcast or something. Obviously, now is when the portal gets a chance to answer their questions. So thanks for watching. Okay, so that was the interview. And wow, it was a long interview and it was full of knowledge. Even I was there. You could see me scribbling notes, taking down stuff, okay? Because Shane is like a super knowledgeable guy when it comes to running your business. And just the numbers he was saying, okay, all those clients he works with on a daily basis, all his staff, all the systems, or literally everything he has in place. These are things that we all need to be working on and make sure our business is almost like future-proof. No matter what happens, we can adapt, we can pivot, we can make sure that we're always going to survive. Anyway, I'm gonna leave it there for today. I'll speak to you all tomorrow. Cheers. Thanks for watching. Now come join us inside our free Facebook group where on a daily basis we share tons of content to help you generate leads for your fitness business.